You're listening to Comedy Central. June 19, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. tonight is an amazing woman, the director of the International Refugee Assistance Project. Becca Heller is joining us, everybody. And we'll be talking about the plight of refugees under Trump and around the world. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Good news. Having a life-threatening emergency just got a whole lot easier. America's 911 emergency system is about to enter the 21st century. Apple said today the iPhone's next operating system will be able to tell 911 operators exactly where the call is coming from. Currently, iPhones provide only the location of the cell tower transmitting that call. Yes, 911 can now use your iPhone to see exactly where you are. And I know some people have privacy concerns, uh, but in an emergency, I want 911 to know everything about me. Yeah, in fact, when I call 911, I want them to answer like, Trevor, what is it, nigga? You all right? Are you okay, man? We're coming right now. We'll see you right now. I think it's about time, though. All these other apps already know how to track us, right? Google Maps, Yelp, Uber. So 911 can just do the same thing. Well, I mean, not the exact same thing. I hope they don't copy Uber, because, I mean, then you're gonna be dying and frustrated. Yeah, they'll be like, hello, this is 911. We're here, where are you? And you'll be like, I'm on the corner. I'm the person being robbed. They'll be like, okay, can you come to us? Wait, no, I can't, hold on. Can we go to him? I know we're being robbed, but can, can we, no, we can't come. Sorry, sir, it's been five minutes. We're canceling your emergency. No! <laughs> Hope it's not exactly the same. In other news, you know how we've all been waiting for the future to release flying cars? Well, this is the complete opposite. Travelers heading to Chicago could soon be able to get to and from the airport in a flash, literally in minutes. Elon Musk's company is planning an express rail loop to the Chicago O'Hare airport. This animation shows how Elon Musk's boring company plans to transform transportation. Gliding on electric skates, as many as 16 people would be swept along at speeds well in excess of 100 miles an hour, making the nonstop trip in 12 minutes. This is a damn shame. What happened to Elon Musk? He went from, I'm gonna send humankind to Mars to, I just wanna help 16 people get to the airport. That's all I wanna do. (laughs) I feel like this is the opposite of invention. He took a car and stuck it to a train track. (laughs) What's next? I've replaced the engine with a horse. (laughs) But just to be clear, just to be clear, no one is laughing at you, Elon. No one is laughing. We are not laughing at you. Yeah, no, because guys, I've, I've seen movies. Every time the supervillain shows up to destroy the world, the first thing he says is, they all laughed at me. <laughs> well, who's laughing now? We are not laughing. <laughs> so Elon Musk, please don't destroy the world. We would love to go to the airport underground. <laughs> all right, let's move on to today's big news. Immigration. Over the past few days, outrage has been growing around the Trump administration's new policy of taking kids from their parents at the border. And this issue is not going away. It's like strip club glitter, you know? Yeah, the secret secret is to use sticky tape. A lot of people don't know that. Now, 
With a lot of Trump's other unpopular policies, Republican lawmakers have kept quiet and done nothing. But this time may be different. A growing number of Republicans are urging the administration to end family separations. The president has the ability to stop this if he'd like. When the president is saying that this is all on the Democrats, that it's their law, that's just not right. That's not true. It's not American to do this. Well, the White House could change it in five minutes, and they should. I think the whole thing is a hot mess. All of us who are seeing these images of children being pulled away from, from moms and dads in tears, we're, we're horrified. This has to stop. I never thought I'd say this, but I agree with Ted Cruz. <laughs> Seriously. No, look, we've given Ted Cruz a hard time on the show, but let's give him props. He wants to solve this problem. Yeah. And, and I think we need to solve it before Ted Cruz decides to go to these detention centers himself, because these kids have been through enough. <laughs> I'll be like, please, please. Let me out of this cage, let me out Oh, what's that? No, no, keep me in, keep me in. Whoa. Is that what you guys have on the outside? Yeah, no, no, I'll stay in here, I'll stay in here. So lawmakers in both parties are against Trump separating kids from their parents. And more surprising, even Trump is against Trump separating kids from their parents. We wanna solve this problem. We wanna solve family separation. I don't want children taken away from parents. Now, I know you might be a little confused right now. Like, why would Trump hate the policy that he himself made? But let's be real. You don't always love everything you make. And also, and also, the president, the president can't just change this policy. I mean, well, he can, but not without the approval of his most trusted advisors. And the problem is, the members of Trump's TV cabinet team, like, they seem to be fine with everything that's happening. For instance, here's the Secretary of Inhumane Services, Laura Ingram. Since more illegal immigrants are rushing the border, more kids are being separated from their parents and temporarily housed in what are essentially summer camps, or as the San Diego Union Tribune described them today, as looking like basically boarding schools. Oh. Yo, what, what kind of freaky-ass summer camps did she go to? <laughs> Was her family just dropping her off every June at state prison? She was coming out like, camp was so fun. We made license plates and, and shivs. And I, I got this teardrop tattoo. You only get that if you kill people. Yeah. <laughs> but just to be clear, once again, the point is not how nice the places are that they're keeping these kids in, right? The point is that the federal government is snatching kids away from their parents. If you kidnap someone's kid, but you keep them in a really nice basement, that's still not okay. <laughs> Liam Neeson wasn't like, what kind of food are you feeding her? <laughs> what? Sushi. Well, I guess she has been taken care of. <laughs> so how it works. So, so Laura Ingl Ingram, so Laura Ingram clearly won't be advising the president to stop separating these families. And neither will director of false equivalencies, Tucker Carlson. This is one of those moments that tells you everything about our ruling class. They care far more about foreigners than about their own people. They don't care. Because no matter what they tell you, this is not about helping children. A lot of people yelling at you on TV don't even have children. So don't for a second let them take the moral high ground. Wow. This angry McNugget seriously just said you can't care about kids unless you have kids. That is the dumbest logic I have ever heard. 
how does Tucker not get that you can care about things that don't directly affect you? Like, I'm just glad that he's a TV pundit and not a doctor. <laughs> He's like, Dr. Carlson, what, what should I do about my cancer? Well, I don't have cancer, so really, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just don't. But, uh, but if you ever get hemorrhoids, give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> so, top advisors Tucker and Laura clearly won't let the president change this policy that he hates so much. And it's gonna get even worse if he watches Fox and Friends because Brian Kilmeade was making every single argument in one sentence at the same time. As Nancy Pelosi steps over the homeless in San Francisco to hop on a plane to go to the border to have a heart bleed for, the, for people from other countries yeah. that are coming here, understand we are $20 trillion in debt. We have classrooms that overrun. We have teachers buying their own supplies. These kids come in fantastic, Oprah Winfrey. I'm glad you're upset about it. But what, these kids get uh, fanned out to working class neighborhoods into our society, and then they have to be paid for by English as a second language, and then they got to be schooled, and a lot of them, uh, sadly, right. when in my neighborhood, turn into uh, um, uh, MS-13. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that's not an argument. That was just like conservative slam poetry. Just like <laughs> Pelosi, Oprah Winfrey killing the American dream with MS-13, teen, 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 teen. <laughs> Look, man, the fact of the matter is, separating kids from their parents is heartless, okay? And the only way that we can stop the government from doing it is to demand change. So, get on the phone and call the people who can actually do something about this. And I'm not talking about Congress, I'm talking about the policymakers at Fox News. Yeah, <laughs> call them, because they can do something. They work for the president, which means they work for you. We'll be right back. Refugees are already Donald Trump's second worst nightmare. Comes right after that one where he drives an electric car into a train tunnel with his devout Muslim mother. <laughs> but what if refugees were not only coming to America to help it, but to run it too? Well, Roy Wood Jr. has more. This is Montana, also known as Trump country. Do we love Montana? Do we love Montana? It's so rare that in a recent election, both the candidates just started shooting up TVs. There's also less black folk in Montana than a Wes Anderson film. But down in the tiny capital of Helena, they just made history. Wilmot Collins narrowly defeated longtime incumbent mayor Jim Smith. Electing the first black mayor in the state's entire history. I had to check in with this dude. How you end up in Montana? I mean, let's just be real about it. Even Hannah Montana is blacker than Montana, Montana. I came on the refugee resettlement program. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. This dude came to America from war-torn Africa. He's a full-on Liberian refugee that escaped a brutal civil war and somehow became the mayor? They voted for you. Yes. The African refugee. Yes. In Montana. Yeah. How the hell did you do that? We knocked on thousands of doors. I went to those doors and knocked on those doors. You crazy as f People welcomed me. You just walked up on random white people's doors in the mountains. I did. 
and they opened the door and said, hey, black man, let's talk about the issues. Come on in for some lemonade. Is that what happened? That is almost exactly what happened. And I don't knock on Trevor Noah's door at work. He half white. It didn't hurt that Wilmot's refugee ass embraced American culture. In his two decades in the U.S., he joined a church, the U.S. military, gave a TED Talk, and even started listening to country music. We're talking about Blake Sheldon. We're talking about Brooks and Dunn. What about, what about you know, some Migos? No. What's that? I didn't understand a word. But Trump knows about the growing threat of refugees like Wilmot. We shouldn't be taking them in here. They could be ISIS. If I win, they're going back. They're going back. Which is why some local Helena voters are sounding the alarm. Mayor Wilma Collins is refugee Congress. They're all for bringing in Islam. You do understand that your mayor is not Muslim. I don't care if he's Muslim or not. He's so, still bringing it in. He still wants to bring that in. Is, did he run on that? No, he didn't. He, uh, he kept that kind of quiet. By keeping it quiet, you mean he never said that at all? Excuse me? When people talk like that, they have no clue. That's when you step in and seize the moment as a teachable one. They'll listen and they'll readjust. Listen and readjust? Man, it's 2018, ain't nobody listening. So then how in the hell is this guy in office? All right, look, we alone. So you can tell me now, how did you win? I won by getting the votes out. Did you sneak in people from Atlanta? Nah, did I didn't have to. Don't ride away from me when I'm talking to you. It was only when I got downtown that I realized how this refugee won in a land full of Trump-loving white folk. You're a Trump supporter. I'm a Trump supporter. How do you feel about this African refugee taking your mayor's job? I voted for the man. I'm sorry, what? You're a Trump supporter who voted for an African refugee. Absolutely, I love Wilmot. So you're basically like a woke Trump supporter. I love Trump. No, that ain't real. That's... That ain't real. When you meet Colin, you don't see the refugee. Are we in Westworld right now? No, no, no. I know I'm in Trump's country. But yet still, they look beyond the rhetoric. They look beyond the the blindness. Bro, do you know how you're making it look for the other refugees? You're making them look bad. Well, I'll tell you this. Montana politics is different. Our election is nonpartisan. We don't run as Republicans or Democrats. If people don't run in a party format, how will I know who to hate? How would I know who to lock up? You hey, vote for the better of the two. We don't just blindly go by parties. Y'all crazy as hell up here. These folks voted for a refugee on his character and ideas. That's Helena. That's what makes us unique. Jesus Christ, I'm going back to America where politics is horrible, terrifying, where it makes sense. What would you do, everyone? We'll be right back. is World Refugee Day. And my guest tonight is the director and co-founder of the International Refugee Assistance Project, a group that has helped more than 200,000 refugees and displaced persons find legal pathways to safety. Please welcome Becca Heller.
welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to have you on this show, especially considering what your organization has done. Many people first saw your face and the organization when Trump's travel ban went into effect. We heard about all these lawyers who were rushing to the airport to try and help people, to give them legal assistance. You were leading that effort. Why was that so important for you to do? I think we realized about halfway through the first week of the presidency that the executive order could come down any day. It actually leaked Monday, um, officially the third day of the presidency, but he had spent the first weekend golfing, so really the first day that, that business was done. Um, and someone sent us a photo of a desktop computer in the White House with the text of the travel ban on it. Wow. And um, so we were calling on our cl all our clients and we were saying, get on a plane, the doors to America are closing, we don't right. know when. Um, and realized that it wasn't just gonna affect our clients, but that at any given time when the executive order became law, there were gonna be thousands of people in the sky who when they took off had legal permission to enter the US and then would land essentially as undocumented immigrants right. and nobody knew what was gonna happen to them. And um, lawyers being the really self-important people that we are, I think we were like, well, obviously so the solution to that is to get thousands of lawyers to show up at the airports right, right, right. and see if there's something we can do about it. Yeah, it was the one time people were cheering four lawyers. I've never seen that before. It was a really beautiful initiative. It, it, it really was. What do you feel you wish people knew about refugees? Like, what is the biggest, uh, you know, misinformation that people have succumbed to? I think that there's two dominant narratives of refugees that are both wildly inaccurate. I think one is that refugees are victims who are desperately in need of our help. And I think the other is that refugees are terrorists who are trying to kill all of us. Right. And I wish that what people knew about refugees is that they are some of the most tenacious survivors that I have ever met. Right. It is just 100% a privilege to work with them. And I think if, if we're a country that wants entrepreneurs and patriots, there's nothing more entrepreneurial than escaping from Islamic State-occupied Mosul, getting across the border, going through this crazy refugee resettlement process, which takes years, getting your whole family to America and starting your whole life over. Like the type of tenacity and grit and creativity that that takes is something that I wish that I had. And, and the other thing is that a lot of the most patriotic people that I know are refugees. Right. In, the, in the lawsuits that we worked on following the Muslim ban, we would talk to our clients who were involved in the lawsuits. And, and you know, the whole lawsuit is saying, oh, I'm, I'm really hurt because I'm being discriminated against. So you would think that it would make you really angry. Um, but when we talked to a lot of our clients, they were like, no, this makes me love America even more. I, I lived under Bashar al-Assad for three decades, and now I live in a country where you can sue the president. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a different way to see it. That's a really different way to see it. When you look at the situation that is now being created at the border, this is the current issue where kids are being separated from their parents. You know, you, you hear these anecdotes of parents being tricked or maybe not being informed about what's gonna happen to their kids. Is there legal recourse that may come back to bite the United States? Yeah, I mean, one way or the other, this policy is going to fold, right? Either the ACLU is gonna win the litigation or the GOP is gonna grow a backbone or the you know great movement of people who came to the airports that's now going to the border will make it known that America won't stand for this. Right. But I think 
At the end of the day, when this policy is over, the Trump administration is probably literally going to have to pay for it because, in my opinion, every single one of these parents and kids has a pretty good damages lawsuit to bring against the Trump administration for false imprisonment, intentional infliction of emotional distress. Sorry, let me try that again. For false imprisonment, intentional infliction of emotional distress. Oh, my God. Yeah, thank you. I'm not going to try again because that will make it too hard for the editor. Oh, that's hilarious. Try Uh, it one more time. You should say it one more time. Sorry. I think every single one of them will have a damages claim for false imprisonment, kidnapping, intentional infliction of emotional distress. Right. As a fans of damages, that's a... Uh, uh... Damages are important. It's how you make people pay for doing f***ed up shit. I can safely say I've never heard it put that way ever before. <laughs> Um, when we hear these stories of people being given scripts, you know, they say, like, oh, these are not asylum seekers. They've got scripts. The kids are reading scripts at the border. What are people talking about, and, and what, what, are, what do we need to understand about what people need to say to actually become an asylum seeker legally in the U.S.? I mean, I think the first thing to understand is that that's complete bullshit. Um... I think that, you know, the myth of the script is that refugees are coming or asylum seekers are coming and they're making up some story to try to fit the legal definition of an asylum seeker. And, uh, you know, number one, the asylum law and refugee law is so complicated. I've been doing it for 10 years and I mostly still don't get it. So the idea that an eight-year-old who's not a native English speaker and maybe comes from a country with a a really low literacy rate has memorized some sort of script that highlights all of the key portions of asylum law in their testimony and then performs it adequately while they're being detained and separated from their parents is, um, you know, Machiavellian. Right. Um, If anything, those are the people you should welcome into the country. You should be like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. No, that is... That you is learned, in- yeah, you learned international law and asylum. Yeah, you should come in. The, we need you. Yeah. That's what we need. I mean, my organization will hire them. Right. Um, it, really, it, it really is one of those situations... For those, for those who argue that the United States cannot handle any more people, the United States has taken in too many people, uh, how, how do you respond to that? How does your organization respond to that type of criticism? Well, I think there's a number of ways to respond. One, I think, goes back several hundred years and says, if you think that your destiny is manifest such that you should control a 3,000-mile swath of territory, perhaps you have an obligation to take in a lot of people to that space, especially in light of all the people that you killed taking over that space. Wow. Wow. But then more immediately, you know, I think it usually that comes down to some kind of argument about jobs or the economy. And there's been a huge number of studies showing that refugees and immigrants are hugely beneficial to the economy. I I have a personal favorite study um, because I'm super nerdy, um, which is that in the second version of the Muslim ban, the Trump administration actually ordered itself to do a study on the net costs of refugees to the American people. Right. And the study done by the Trump administration found that over the past 10 years, refugees have netted $63 billion to the U.S. economy. To the U.S. economy. To the U.S. economy. Well, that's how you got to talk to Trump. Well, they, they then suppressed the study, and it was leaked to the New York Times two months later. And there we are back again yes. at the border. Well, I never thought I'd say this, but thank God for lawyers. <laughs> thank you very much for being on the show. To learn more about the work of the International Refugee Assistance Project, go to refugeerights.org. Becca, hello, everybody.
The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.